This is the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, a podcast brought to you by two physical therapists devoted to helping physical therapists and other healthcare providers become better educators to patients, students, the community, and each other by interviewing prominent and passionate people within the realms of healthcare and education. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast is intended literally for educational and entertainment purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based on only one source, and therefore, this podcast should not be used as personal medical advice. While care has been taken to ensure accuracy, occasionally, mistakes and factual errors can be present, as we are only human. This is our journey on the road to becoming better educators, so get ready with your pen and paper as class is about to begin. On this episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, we had the pleasure of interviewing the one and only Dr. Aaron LeBauer. Now, Dr. Aaron LeBauer is a physical therapist and a licensed massage therapist, and he is the owner of LeBauer Physical Therapy with his wife, Andra, in Greensboro, North Carolina. Now, Aaron graduated from Duke University in 1996 with a bachelor's in history, and then he moved to San Francisco where he studied massage therapy and health education at the National Holistic Institute. He has also specialized in myofascial release since 2000, and he was an instructor with the John Bard's Myofascial Release Seminars. Now, being a native of Greensboro, Aaron returned in 2005, and he earned his DPT in 2008. Man, I don't know about you, Scott, but I thought after that discussion with Aaron, just kind of the unique perspective of how massage therapy education system works and how we can really integrate some of those concepts. What do you think? Yeah, I was uh, amazed at how much business education they got in massage therapy school. And Aaron talks about it, you know, a little bit that, you know, maybe that's something we need to be looking into in physical therapy schools. He brought a really good perspective of both sides of the coin, you know, both massage therapy and physical therapy and some of the benefits of of both. And I thought that was uh, really interesting. Oh, absolutely. And I think what he also mentioned about in terms of the importance of touch also too, and how, you know, DPT tools could kind of incorporate more soft tissue work in there. Because I mean, I got to be honest, I mean, we did a little bit of soft tissue in PT school, but not a ton. I don't know how your program was with that too, but, but I agree with him and his perspective on that one. My experience was a little bit different because I, like I said, I was a two-year master's program at East Carolina, and then I stuck around for the third year to make the transitional doctorate. So I got a little bit more hands-on than than I probably would have otherwise. But yeah, I think it was it was definitely a fun episode, and I got to uh, rib Aaron a little bit for the Duke Wake Forest rivalry or or lack thereof. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And it was also good to hear kind of about his experience with teaching, not only clinical, but business content too. So I thought that was pretty enlightening to hear kind of hit the similarities and differences between both those things. So that was cool. Absolutely. Well, without further ado, we bring you Aaron LeBauer. Welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. My name is Brandon Pollan, and I am joined by my co-host, as always, F. Scott Field. And today we have the pleasure of having Aaron LeBauer on the show. Now, I followed Aaron on social media for the past year, and I was actually able to meet him in person at the Smart Success PT live event in Clearwater Beach during Memorial Day weekend. And first of all, shout out to Aaron, Greg Todd, Paul, Will, Ken, and Jerry for making it a mindset-altering event, and it was truly astonishing. Now, we invited Aaron to come onto the show because we felt that Aaron's unique education from his LMT school has contributed to his success with having his cash-based PT clinic that is actually really thriving. And we wanted to discuss his insight on his education for ideas to consider for potential integration into DPT programs to improve business education in DPT programs to, of course, hopefully have more people running successful PT businesses. Now, Aaron, thanks so much for coming on the show and for all of your work and service to the healthcare profession. Is there anything that you'd like our audience to know about you that perhaps we didn't mention? 
Hey, Brandon, Scott, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate you guys inviting me to be on the show. Well, I'm a Sagittarius. I've got red hair. I'm tall. I used to race bicycles. I was a bike messenger. I've done a hundred other things, but I love doing what I'm doing right now. So thanks for having me. No, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, man. Yeah, Aaron, if you wouldn't mind, give us a little bit of the layout and structure of the licensed massage therapist education. Let's see. So I uh, went to massage therapy program back in 1999. I went to the National Holistic Institute in Emeryville, which is in California in the Bay Area. Massage therapy is, it's by state. At the time in California, there was no state license. There were only city licenses. And since then, now there's a California state license. Even at that time, there wasn't a North Carolina license. And North Carolina licenses came around about 12, 15 years ago. So every state has different education requirements. So in the city of San Francisco, it was 100 hours. In Berkeley, it was 500 or 1,000. And in Emory, you know, so we got a 750 hour education. In places like New York and Colorado, it was like 2,000 hours. So it varies greatly. What I did is I took a one year, it was a one year program, and it was a 720 hour program. It was for five days a week, four hours each day. So Monday through Friday, eight to 12. We did basically a clinical internship. We did two of them. They were It was broken into two semesters, so an Eastern and a Western. So Eastern modalities and Western modalities semesters. And people started every, like every month, there was a group that would start and you know, one group would start, you would start in Eastern and you'd finish in the Western or you'd start in Western and finish in Eastern. We started with in basic anatomy and we started with, you know, massage therapy hands-on. So right away we were, we were learning massage sequence. So they started us off like, you're going to learn a one-hour sequence. So I started in Western, so it was learn a one-hour Swedish massage sequence. But we would start with one body part, learn some strokes and techniques, and then add them to the others. At the same time, we were learning the major muscle groups, origin, insertion, action. We weren't learning innervations. We did some pathology. It was basically enough pathology to know, okay, when someone's sick, when they shouldn't get a massage, when you need to refer them to someone else. So we learned that. And so one of the big tests was you had to be able to give a, a 60 minute massage and finish without a, without a watch um, within five minutes of 60 minutes. So you had to finish somewhere basically within an hour without you know, just kind of timing yourself. Um, part of that's because you know timing is and being on time is important. We learn deep tissue techniques. We learn soft tissue mobilization techniques. And they called it, it was called something else. I mean, there's like a hundred different names for the same thing. We also, in each semester, we had business course. And, and we can get into this later, but one of the big differences was we were basically expected that we were going to own our own business. So they taught us how to run a business, own and run a business in a way that was much more realistic than the education I got in PT. Also, in each semester, we did a clinic. So we, right away after we learned how to, you know, after like a few months, we learned how to do a full body massage. We would start seeing patients in our clinic and we would, I think it was like 20 or 25 bucks and they would come in and we would start working on them right away. In PT school, I didn't touch a patient for a year. <laughs> in massage therapy school, I touched a patient within basically two months and we had to have a certain number of clinic hours. And then we did these internships or clinical learning. And I worked with an athletic trainer at uh, City College of San Francisco for mine. And then the next semester, we go and learn shiatsu massage, uh, which is a type of massage. It's a pressure point massage without lotions or oils. It was usually done fully clothed. And we did business again. We did the internship clinical. It's been eight, 19 years, so it's hard to remember all the details, but that's that's the basic gist of it. Yeah, that's crazy that there were several business classes laid out in there. 
Yeah. I mean, we basically had a guy come in and he was like, this is how much I'm charging. You know, I'm charging 120 bucks an hour. This guy had a job treating famous people. But at the same time, it's like you see four people a day, you can earn X amount a year and you're doing pretty good. And this is how this is what you need to expect. And this is how you book people. And this is how you get people on your schedule. You say, I mean, this is what I learned in massage therapy school is, okay, are you ready to rebook? Okay. Tuesday, would you prefer Tuesday or Thursday? Okay. Thursday. Okay. I've got a time at two o'clock or five o'clock. And we didn't learn that in PT school at all. I and mean, we didn't touch on that. I mean, it's just it's crazy. My PT school, we did six hours of massage therapy and we did, our business was not realistic business program. Yeah. Aaron, in terms of with like even the layout of the program. So I just want to make sure I'm hearing you right. So it was pretty clinical heavy initially, and then kind of more business oriented towards the end. Well, is that correct? Yeah. I wouldn't say the business was heavy business and it took from the clinical. I'd say it was heavy clinical the whole time. And we would have like a module at the end, like the last month and a half or six weeks, we did a business class, like on how to run a practice, how to start a practice, how to keep your books and how to run a practice. And it was much more practical. In PT school, it was, here's a little bit about, how the hospital runs. Here's a little bit about the history of insurance and the history of PT. And here's a person who comes in with, who's trying to design a 5,000 square foot practice is taking out a $200,000 loan. And your job is to do, do a business plan for a 5,000 square foot practice with a loan of 150 or $200,000. And no, you can't choose to do it for a smaller size practice. Whereas in massage therapy school, it was like, this is what you charge. This is how you get people back on your schedule. This is how you set it up. This is what it looks like, you know, and it's basically you're expected to do it because even at the time you worked for yourself. So they want you to pay back the loan and they want to make you successful. So, you know, most people would go out and work for themselves as a massage therapist. And most people weren't working for someone else. There wasn't these massage companies or mills like Massage Envy or Hand and Stone Massage where they have, you know, 10, 12 massage therapists working there. And yes, there were places like that and spas like that, but the majority of people have at least a side business, if not uh, a business on their own. And so it was as much clinical as it was business education as a lot of the other things that we did. You know, I mean, it wasn't the same as clinical, but it was I mean, it was a lot more practical and realistic. And I can tell you, I got out and I started to practice right away and I got a job a, at a spa and I've owned private practice ever since I graduated from, I mean, from massage therapy school. So it's it was really important and it wasn't something that I got in PT school and it's definitely Definitely one of the reasons that I was successful starting my practice right after graduation from PT school and going cash-based right away. Well, that's a pretty good segue into our next question, I think. You know, between massage therapists and physical therapists, based on the education received in each school uh, and realizing that, you know, this is your perspective and somewhat of a loaded question given your current situation, which profession do you feel is more predisposed for financial success um, and why? You know, I actually think massage therapists in general can be a little flaky. And I'm going to say this because I am a massage therapist. They're a little flaky and a little bit like, oh, this is kind of like a hobby. But there are people that take it very seriously and do really well. You know, you don't go to PT school and treat it like a hobby because it's three years. It's a much longer commitment and a bigger financial commitment. However, if we look at, you know, if we take the same person and put them through both schools, you can become a massage therapist and you can charge over $100 an hour as a massage therapist and see plenty of people and do really well and only have like $9,000 in loans to pay back. Whereas you can go to PT school and have 80,000 or a hundred something thousand. You know, you haven't been taught how 
to start a business or even given the, been given the idea that it's something that's good for you and get out and only earn fifty to $60,000 a year. And massage therapists can easily charge $85, $75 an hour, see 20 patients a year and get the same amount. I would go massage therapy. The physical therapist assistant asked me, I want to start my own business and I don't want to hire a PT. I want to do it myself. Should I go to PT school or should I go to massage therapy school? I'd say go to massage therapy school. As a massage therapist with my license in North Carolina, the only thing I can't do is a spinal manipulation and I can't diagnose. As a physical therapist in North Carolina, the only thing I can't do is a spinal manipulation unless I have a physician's order. And I can diagnose, but it's limited in how I can treat Medicare patients. As a massage therapist, I'm not limited in how I can treat Medicare patients. So I'm much more limited as a PT than as a massage therapist, and it costs me a lot more money to be a PT. Does that overlap get in the way at all? No, not really. I'm mostly a physical therapist, and some days I'm a massage therapist. So say, for example, you have a quality massage therapist with good business skills and a quality therapist with good business skills. Who do you think then is more predisposed to be more successful then? They're both about the same. You know, a PT could charge more, but it depends on your definition of success. It's also different patients because massage therapists aren't necessarily treating patients who are coming to them to solve a medical problem. One of the reasons I became a PT was because people came to me and said, you know, I've been to PT, I've been to chiropractic had injections, had surgery, been to see my surgeon, etc. They haven't helped me. They come to see me and like, you're the only person who's ever been able to touch me where I hurt and help me feel better. You know, I did not have the knowledge and the skills to understand how to take them through the whole journey. I knew how to work on the soft tissue and help them feel better, but I didn't know how to plan their course of care and their course of care, tell them how long it was going to take, tell them what I thought what was really wrong with them or what I thought was really wrong with them. Other than obviously you've got a soft tissue problem, but you know, I couldn't really say, look, this doesn't move well. That doesn't move well. So I can't say that one's going to be better off or more able to be successful. Although I will say that more patients understand what massage therapy means than physical therapy. Both can be highly successful. Uh, I know massage therapists that charge well over $100 an hour. I know physical therapists that are undercharging and charging under $100 an hour. So, Awesome. Going back kind of to the education, Aaron, what are some things that your DPT program did very well that you feel could be integrated in massage education or vice versa? Mm. I would say it's easier to go the other way. So it's easier to say, okay, DPT programs needs to include more soft tissue treatment, more hands-on. There was a time in my PT education, you know, remember, um, I've already been in the field for six or seven years um, treating patients with chronic pain, and I'm sitting in an orthopedic class, and the professor goes, you know, she just got done teaching us mobilizations and pivums and pavums or whatever you call them, and she's like, all patients need are 30 to 45 seconds of hands-on, and I just raised my hand, and I was like, I didn't wait for her to call me. I was like, I completely disagree with you. PT education needs to include more hands-on, more soft tissue therapy. We got three, two, three-hour labs and no one wanted to be my partner <laughs> in the massage therapy lab. You know, I was just like, okay, what? really? Like, I should be the one teaching the class and you guys don't want right. to partner with me? I mean, I don't think some of my um, classmates were very mature. However, more soft tissue treatment. I mean, just kick out all the ultrasound, diathermy, and even e-stim. I know we got to know about that, but you know, to spend more time on that than soft tissue, I think is a disservice to our patients because patients in all realms of physical therapy could use more soft tissue. So I think PT and DPT education could use a lot more soft tissue treatment, um, a lot more focus on that. Because if I can't get a cavitation with a manipulation or a thrust, 
I can go treat the soft tissue and just put patients in a position and I'll get a cavitation really easily. It makes it so I don't have to use a lot of force. Vice versa, what I think massage therapy education could use is a very simple movement screen. And I didn't get this in my DPT education, but a very simple movement screen, something like the SFMA top tier, the Selective Functional Movement Assessment. That's the top tier movements or some basic movements, some basic you know, here's a basic movement screen so you can test your patients before and after. We didn't get any of that in massage therapy because the goal of massage therapy is for people to feel good and it's for wellness. It's not necessarily to to fix people so they don't really teach. And in massage therapists technically can't provide a diagnosis. They can't say, oh, you've got a herniated disc or whatever. But in a lot of places, physical therapists aren't supposed to provide medical diagnoses either. So does that really matter? I think that as massage therapists, if there was a, a very simple movement screen to test before and after, I think that would, could make a big difference in, in how patients perceive the quality of the work that they're getting or what's happening. Right. At the very least, Aaron, it's kind of like a, a comparison point to see the before and after, to see the effects and the change that they made on the patient. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And, I, and that helps me so much. And even a friend of mine taught me the, the top tier for the SMFMA and I started using it. And I was like, wow, this is giving me just information that I, I wasn't looking at. And I didn't get that in PT school either. And then I ended up going to the SFMA FMS courses and was just like, oh, this puts all that stuff that I learned in PT school in a logical sequence and order. And it's very usable for me in my practice. With simple things like that, I think would be helpful. I think DBT programs should include it. I think I know some of them do. Mine, mine necessarily didn't. The other thing that would be helpful in massage therapy is to learn a little bit more about helping people plan. But at the same time, remember the goal of massage is health and wellness. So the idea is to rebook. So that one of the big differences is as a massage therapist, you want people to keep coming back to see you. As a physical therapist, you want people to get better and to not keep coming back to see you. Not necessarily discharging them, but, but putting them into a wellness program where they don't need to be your patient every week. So there's two different kind of starting points and, and philosophies and goals. And as a massage therapist doing techniques like myofascial release or other people are using deep tissue or medical massage, you end up seeing a lot of patients who've been told there's nothing wrong with you, that, you know, it's all in your head, etc. I still see those patients today as a PT, but I saw them as a massage therapist and they're coming to me and they're, they're feeling a lot better. So I think the other thing that needs to happen is there needs to be more crossover between the professions. I think they work really well together. And I think too many people are not getting touched where they hurt by the medical community. They're getting imaged and surgerized and everything before they've even had their muscles and tissues tested. So. Yeah, that's a great point, Aaron. And actually, that, that's a perfect segue to our next question. Why do you feel there is that disconnect between massage therapists and, and physical therapists? And do you feel like the, there is a solution to, to kind of fix that synergy and make it a little bit more free-flowing between the two? I think it comes down to everyone's trying to look out for themselves. <laughs> it's not as bad as like the, the physical therapist versus acupuncturist because, you know, due to what dry needling is brought up. But with massage therapy, I think their physical therapists don't want to be perceived as just massage therapists. And I think this was maybe before we all got in the profession, it was like, oh, you're a physical therapist, you just do massage. Or I'm going to go to the physical therapist so I can get my massage paid for by insurance. And I think on the other side, massage therapists feel like they need to be legitimized because they've been delegitimized by some of the, like the sex industry, and they want insurance to pay for massage. And that's what's going to get it legitimized. That's just like the wrong direction because insurance stinks and it's not going to pay for it anyways. It doesn't pay for a lot of physical 
physical therapy. And so there's a disconnect on those ends and people are trying to like hold on to their own patients. But patients are more served when you have a good combination of the two. And the fact that, you know, here in Greensboro, I don't get a lot of communication from the orthopedic surgeons who or neurosurgeons who see my patients. Uh, even patients will ask them to send me information and I don't get it unless our office calls and requests it specifically. So I don't think it's as that bad between massage and PT, but I think there's a gap between that you're just a massage therapist or you're a PT and all you do is leg lifts, ultrasound and hot packs. You know, it's like there's a lack of understanding about common goals and how people work. I think a lot of it comes down to fear. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think that a lot of people don't know about what each other does and how they can individually help that patient in a specific kind of role. And what I'm kind of hearing with you there is kind of really working on it as a true interdisciplinary approach, yeah. which I think is really, really critical. And I think I see that, I think that that's one of a change that healthcare is going to have to generally make. Yeah, I, I agree. I think interdisciplinary approach is great and it takes communication and it takes understanding and it takes people not worrying that they're going to go to financial ruin if someone else treats their patient. Oh, absolutely. So what I want to kind of switch to is kind of talk a little bit about, about your experience as an educator. So with that being said, do you think you could touch on your experience teaching as an instructor? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So one of the reasons I became a PT is because I became an instructor. I was studying, as a massage therapist, I was studying myofascial release uh, with John Barnes. And I started using it with my patients. And they were just like, wow, no one's been able to touch me there. No one's been able to relieve any of the pain or symptoms I've had in my shoulder or neck or hip until I came to see you. What are you doing? And I was like, wow, this maybe this stuff does have some value. And so I started taking more courses and I wanted to do more. And I became an instructor in the seminar series, which means you basically assist the courses and help people with hand placement, answer questions when, you know, during breaks and help set up stuff. You, you know, I was never leading the classes. I was doing that alongside other PTs and OTs. And I was like, wow, they just have this level of knowledge or depth of knowledge about the human body and disease and prognosis that I didn't have and possess. And that's a big thing that pushed me into PT. I've also taught some courses on my own with a partner here in Greensboro. We did for about a year and a half. We taught about four weekend courses in manual therapy, soft tissue mobilization, trigger point therapy, myofascial release. And, and it was a great experience. It was a, it's a tough profession to get into teaching clinical continuing education. So speaking of teaching clinical education, did you have any sort of specific routine or mental preparation you went through to get ready for your classes before it was go time? Now, I really don't have mental preparation. My only preparation is making sure my PowerPoints have my, my prompts on them. And I just speak <laughs> off the cuff. I like see my prompt or I'll start talking about something. And I'll end, oh, the next slide is what that was talking about. So I, that's kind of how I speak. And I, I think that comes from my brain and in a more natural way for me and more genuine, authentic way. So I will tell you, talking about prepping, though, this is something I learned in massage therapy school that we did not learn in PT. And I think this is an important thing is how do you prep yourself? before you see a patient. I know it's a little off topic, but it's just, I think it's it's pertinent to one of the earlier questions, this question. So in massage therapy, we learned, okay, you got to be centered before you go treat a patient. You got to be centered so that you don't take in the patient's energy or give too much or just so you can focus and be present with the patient. And we learned centering techniques. No one's talked to me about that in PT at all. And we're seeing really sick people and people who need a lot from us. And to be centered before you go see a patient, I, that's when I do prep and center myself. And I've been doing it for so long that I can do it pretty quickly now. 
you know, I just get into the zone. But when I started out, I'd spend about 35, 45 seconds minimum, maybe two or three minutes just getting prepped and ready and centered before I went to go do a massage and treat some patients. Do you have a soundtrack for that or you just go, oh, natural? Yeah, it's more, it's not a soundtrack. It's more about, you know, just breathing and centering and mindfulness and being aware of my body and my thoughts and and those kinds of things. And I had a nice little routine that I did for a while. And then it's like all of a sudden I could just get myself into that part of my brain really quickly before I saw patients. Yeah, my uh, sister-in-law is actually a massage therapist and she does a lot of that centering. And I never really thought about it as a physical therapist until I started talking with her about it a little bit more. And it definitely makes sense. It kind of puts you in a right mindset before you jump into an eval or a treatment. Yeah. I mean, even if you're thinking about the emails that someone sent you or the comments someone wrote, that can affect you. Even just making sure you're centered. I mean, I've gotten out of doing body work, you know, just felt really horrible afterwards. Or you can feel really energized. You know, you want to make sure that you're focused so that you're not crossing patient boundaries with your conversation. And, and those kinds of things. And it's really easy to miss those if you're not centered. Cool. Awesome. Good insight. Thank you. Aaron, how does the way that you teach clinical content differ from how you teach business content? There's a lot more doing in my clinical content experience where if I'm going to teach something clinically, I want to show you and then have you do it and have you practice it. When I teach business content, what I'm trying to do is teach ideas and and strategies and then I show you the technical path. So I'll show you the technical path and you go do the technical path, but you don't have to repeat the technical path over and over again. The technical path just needs to be like once or twice. Whereas when you're teaching clinical, you want someone to practice something because the technical piece of it is the doing is the soft tissue and they're going to have to practice it over and over again. And that needs to be right. It has to be reproduced by the body, not just a keystroke. And so I think that's the big thing is like when I teach in clinical skills, it's let me show you, let me have you do it. And then even let me have you do it to me. And then let me give you feedback. Or let me, you know, let me put my hands on you while you do it so I can see if you're getting the right depth and the right pressure and the right touch and check in with your your partner. I mean, it, so when I'm teaching business, there's not a lot of feedback from the computer or, or the paper or pen, and it's a much different skill to learn. And so it's more, there's more just me telling you about what to do and giving you some homework to, uh, to do it or think about it, or write things down, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I I definitely see like kind of the practice makes perfect mentality. You know, you want to get in there and get hands on and and just get the practice and the reps that you can when you're doing clinical stuff that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Aaron, you you said earlier there was an instance where you kind of raised your hand and you completely disagreed with your your teacher on one of the things that she was discussing. But have you ever had a course participant openly criticize your content or um, just come out and say, you know, I don't really agree with your teaching method? Um, And if so, how did you handle that? Or uh, if not, how, how do you think you'd go about handling that? When I was teaching some soft tissue, we didn't have anyone that disagreed. I had someone, you know, say, oh, well, this is my experience. It's like, okay, great. You know, that's a great experience. Or I never really experienced that teaching, you know, soft tissue treatments. I have had that, you know, teaching business stuff in one of my mastermind, like online mastermind groups. And I said, look, I have to disagree. This is the instance and this is how it goes and X, Y, and Z. And so a lot of times it comes down to a miscommunication or a misunderstanding rather than someone disagreeing. However, in my case in PT school, there was no misunderstanding. It was, it was just a very different point of view. Aaron, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned about being an educator that you've picked up throughout your journey? 
the number one thing is you need to know what your students want to know, okay? Because you don't want to teach them something that they're like not interested in at all. Number two, a lot of times the students know more than you do, or at least about a particular topic. So it's important to be open to feedback or making it in more of a journey of and discussion rather than a one-way street. I mean, I've been on both sides and as a student, as someone who had already treated patients, they're That wasn't the only time I disagreed with someone or asked them a question that made them boil because, you know, I had experience. I was like, okay, well, how about here? Because I've seen patients do this and that and the other thing. And I had some professors that couldn't handle it. And I said some that, you know, handled it in stride and they were fed by it. And others were like rattled by it. So I think that's the main thing. And then like, I don't want to teach anyone myself who doesn't want to be there, you know? So, and I knew that a long time ago when when my mom said, oh, you should be a teacher. You'd be a great teacher. I was like, I don't want to teach high school kids because they don't want to be in school. And I teach people that want to be in my class. I think that's the best and easiest way to go about the whole thing. Yeah, that's a great point, Aaron. My dad was a high school English teacher for years, and I thought the exact same thing, man. I wanted no part of teaching because those kids were all punks. Yeah. But uh, now in the higher education, you know, it's it's a little bit different because those people do have a vested interest and they do want to be there. So it definitely makes, uh, you know, the teaching the content a lot easier. Oh, yeah, exactly. All right. We, uh, we ask all of our guests this last question here to wrap things up. But if you could change one aspect of healthcare education, DPT, LMT, or elsewhere, uh, what aspect would you change and how? More touching, more soft tissue, more touching people, more compassionate touch, you know, less mechanical work. Healing hands yeah. are the answer to the world. Huh? That's it. Healing hands, you know, put your hands on someone and they'll feel a lot better. I mean, I, I think that's that would be it. Even just to have someone in the hospital who goes around and puts those little socks with the grippers on people and gives them a two-minute foot massage. That would be amazing. Hospitals are so devoid of touch and positive energy. It's, it, I think that would be a game changer. Awesome. Awesome input. No, absolutely, Aaron. And I, I totally agree with you on that. I think that the power of manual therapy, however you do it, whether it's needling, mobs, manip, soft tissue, I mean, whatever that patient expects is going to help. And as long as you have the therapeutic alliance. Yeah, it's huge. It's really big if you can find out what the patient needs, put your hands on them. They can move a lot better with some input. I mean, it's it's all, it's input, but I think it's one of the strongest inputs you can have. And I even know people like that they either don't value it or they're all exercised or they're they're all into kneeling. But if you can put your hands on a person where they hurt, then they know you know where they hurt and they buy in because no one else is doing it. Oh, absolutely. No, for sure. Aaron, how can our audience find you on social media? Um, you guys can find me Twitter. I'm at PT. I'm on Instagram, Aaron LeBauer, Facebook.com slash Aaron LeBauer. And then I've got a if you're interested in cash-based physical therapy, I've got a blog, LeBauerConsulting.com, and a Facebook group called uh, The Cash PT Nation that you guys can look for on, if you search on Facebook, it's uh, The Cash PT Nation, and you can request to join. Awesome, and you got your podcast oh, yeah. too, right? I just launched a podcast called The Cash PT Lunch Hour, and it's a series of about 45 minutes to an hour long podcasts that should be consumable during the lunch break. We do record it live and now, and so you can always join a live recording 
and it's on iTunes as of about three weeks ago, uh, at the time of this recording at least, and some great episodes out right now. Yeah, no, I can attest to that too. I've listened to a few of episodes from his podcast and just some of the content that he's talked with some of the people, you know, with Urson Religioso and Chad Madden have really been pretty insightful. And I, I definitely plan on listening to more. I definitely recommend it to others as well that are looking down that business or even that cash BT route. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, Aaron, thanks oh, no. again for coming on and thanks for taking time to talk with us. This was a really great uh, experience. Oh yeah, you're welcome, Scott. I appreciate it. And thanks for the for the Greensboro Bats helmet you got me at CSN. <laughs> Anytime, man. Oh. Anytime. That's old school, man. That goes back to the Carolina boys yeah. there. I, I, you know, I I knew I didn't like you for being a Duke guy, but I had to let that slide being a Wake Forest guy. You know, we never really had a true beef with Duke. We just kind of we're like the little stepchild. You know, we're we're just always there, kind of na- nagging at your heels, but we're not quite there yet. We're not on that level. Right, right. Well, Randolph Childress used to bring it pretty hard, so. Of course, of course. And we had the Tim Duncan years and the Chris Paul years, which were nice. Yep. But then uh, not m- not much recently. Right. We're hoping for a turnaround. <laughs> well, again, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on, man. Wish you the best with everything. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now, I'm, I'm stoked to be here. I'm always happy to talk about physical therapy, massage therapy, and business and anything else. So thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, Extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.